Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland, I'm Trev Downey, and this is another unseasonable transfer podcast for Anfield Index Pro, and that of course means that I am joined by the one and only Dave Davis. How are you, my friend? Yeah, good mate. Looking forward to this one and talking all things Reds as normal. All things Reds as normal, and this one is a stretch even by our stretch Armstrong standards, and yet there's lots of topic to cover, lots of transfer adjacent things that we can chat about, and of course the main one The reason that you and I are in this gig, Dave, if we're both perfectly honest, I think we've said it to each other privately. I know we've said it to each other on the show. I've made a big point about saying it on every show I'm on, and I know that you agree. But the main reason we're in this gig, the reason we follow this team, is the bottom line. It's not necessarily the day-to-day joy you get out of bits of fantastic media from the, the, the team at the club. Not necessarily the joy you get from knowing that there's a good bunch of lads there who you actually like. It's not even necessarily the joy you get from going to Anfield on a day and meeting up with some cool people and getting a match in. These are all wonderful things. But what underpins it for me always is that I give my time to this because I really want to see my team win a thing. And so that brings us full circle around to this concept of winning a thing and the biggest thing every year I suppose for me is always the European Cup we're not in it so the second biggest thing for me every year and the biggest thing for a lot of people the biggest thing for a lot of people is the league we've made a good start my friend we seem to be in the mix what's your general take in terms of your level of doubt versus belief to uh, coin a cloppism it's, it's a really tough one for me at the moment because I can easily let my heart 
overshadow the head, Trev. I'm looking at it, and even on, even after Saturday's win against Everton, there was a bit of like, we were pretty shit in that one for a large period, but we won. That's all that matters at this current point. And, you know, for a brief nanosecond or so before City Bank won in, we were top, weren't we, for a few minutes or so. Everything was, you know, rosy in the garden. And I look at it and I think it's another double from Mo Salah. And he wasn't at his best, but that's on the back of, you know, how he's done against Brighton. He looks the man again, almost, so to speak. Like that season where he just put a hat-trick past United. He almost seems revitalised in a way. The whole side seems revitalised. We, we know this, the Liverpool 2.0, this resilience that we seem to just enjoy at times, going down to 10 men and showing the world how good we are. And we've got results, especially away, Trev, especially away against some really tough opposition. So that is positive. I then look and I think, look at these midfielders. Look at like the depth we've got, how different it is. The Bosley will give you hope. Even Graven Birch, I thought, was in a not great game, really shone. There was a lot of positives there. He seems to be, you know, a, a real talent. There's a lot to like that way. And especially when I look at the opposition and who else that, you know, is in the mix, possibly. We've had some tough games and we've come through. And it, and it may, probably wrong to say, because you know how this bites you in the arse, but you're breathing into an easier period on paper. But well, on paper is not the way the world works. So, that's my heart, and I'm thinking, brilliant. You know, we can get behind this as a real chance. However, there's got to be a reality to it, Trevor, at the same time as well. I'm thinking, we're going to need a lot of luck for different reasons, but we've already had a, a bad stroke of it through suspensions. It got even worse, didn't it, with Robbo's shoulder surgery? And I mean, 10 to 12 weeks of the talk, New Year. I've got to be honest, that's the first sort of question mark for me. And it's not trying to dig him out completely. It's not his fault. But Costa Simicus against Everton didn't look that great particularly. I'm not sure I hold um, a huge hope that he can replicate Robbo's level. But adequate cover, there's a question mark there. And that we talked does Gomez shift. So that's the first one. I'm also thinking things like, yeah, we kept a clean sheet against Everton. But we've had that field, Trev, all season that we'll almost, we'll have to score two to win every game. So that that's just a question mark. Again, when we play opposite, you know, we do seem a bit porous, let's say, at the back. And then the final thing, Trev, brings me back to the Old Testament and thinking of a, a chapter from Luke where the Bible actually missed a few sentences off, Trev. I've got to be honest on this because there's that famous Jesus quote, forgive me, Father, they know not what they do. Now, what they failed to tell you in that, Trev, they didn't listen to him fully because, you know, there was a lot to write in them days in that book. So what he actually said was, forgive me, Father, they know not what they do. It makes no sense to play McAllister as a six. And it's strange that the Bible dropped that off, you know. <laughs> you know, that McAllister at six, not having a six, Trev, all the top teams in history have a specialist. City, Rodri, you know, if you go back to the Makalele. The endo, there's question marks against that whole thing. So if there is positives and we're not out of anything. That is important to say, but there's question marks, there's hurdles. Yeah, the head may be saying a little bit different to the heart, put it that way. I like this head versus heart way of looking at things and it gives us an opportunity to look at a few specifics. So let's look at who's in the shakeup and be realistic about it. If you look at the table, we are find ourselves in the very, very uh, unpleasant situation of looking up at Tottenham City and Arsenal. Um, in terms of points, of course, we are simply one point behind City and Arsenal and uh, an annoying three behind Ange Postacoglu's super Tottenham. And, you know, I do like to see things like Sky putting out, uh, you know, these um, smug looking tributes with uh, the the Aussie fella in his uh, in his suit, having a bit of a, an arm fold and looking quite smug and talking about the greatest start by a manager to Premier League ever and so on and so forth. That kind of thing, I'm I'm all for it because. I don't think it lasts. Now, maybe he will be the one to finally unspurs Spurs, but I don't think it lasts. 
So I'm kind of calm as I look at the teams around us. So let's just take that for a second. Let's just do the sums on the realistic title contenders as you see them, as I see them. So we have, like I said, those three teams ahead of us. We need to be very honest with ourselves and say that for all our super start, Aston frickin' Villa are only one point behind us. That's it. And they have actually scored three more goals than the Reds. Off the top four, we are joint top scorers with Tottenham. City have a goal less on 19. Arsenal have only 18 goals scored. Of the goals conceded in the top four, we are highest, having conceded nine. Uh, Spurs have conceded eight as of Arsenal, and City have only conceded seven. So there's not these drastic changes in that. Villa have conceded 13 goals having scored 23 and that might say a little bit about them and what will happen long term with them the next team down dave in terms of points is a further three points back and four points back from us on 16 points are newcastle and they have scored 24 they have conceded nine and then we can take it back to the next team who are on 16 points and they are brighton and they again have scored 22 and conceded, I do believe, 18, which is not clever at all. And finally, then we're going to stop it here and stall the digger, as it were, at the eighth place mark where Manchester United are featuring on 15 points. Now, I think you take your title uh, contenders from there, unless somebody has this daft fantasy about Chelsea going on the kind of run that Liverpool went on back in, I think, 85, 86, uh, and went from 13th um, pre-Christmas to winning the title. I don't think that's likely. I think they'll absolutely even out over time and be better. They may even start worrying top four. But of the teams that you've heard there, what I'd like you to say is, who do you think are genuine title contenders? Now, I know we have... A little sequence later on where we're going to look at uh, these particular teams one by one. But just um, just really quickly, who's in the mix for you, A, for the title, and B, in terms of being in the top four mix? Is it any four from the ones mentioned? Do you include Chelsea? And when it comes to the title, is it any one from two, three, or four? Or where do you draw the line? So quickly then, your list of people who you think could win this league. And then the people who you think could get that Champions League football. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Treb, I am ready like the hunchback of Notre Dame to have rotten tomatoes cast at me for this. But my genuine title contenders, as I believe, is a short list of one. I, I just have to be honest on this. I do believe, if you ask me to predict, I think City win it at Cantor for so many reasons. I really do. The the strength, the players they've got to to come back, the sort of question marks again against the the others and people sort of looking at things too early in the season so genuinely I believe it's City probably a canter maybe us to to push them with a bit of luck but yeah I'd, I'd be honest and brief on that top four I do think that we Arsenal are nailed on to get top four almost that that fourth spot, if you want, for me, is a fascinating. I do think there's contenders, Trev. I really do. I think Spurs are a contender. They're not title for me, but Newcastle are a contender as well. And Villa have got a, how would you put it, a puncher's chance 
for me at the same time as well. I'm being honest, I'm ruling out Brighton. I just don't think they've got enough. And the circus down the East Lanks Road is always going to rumble on with everything that goes on there. So I'm actually disregarding them from a, a top four finish as well. So it's weird, isn't it? I think the top four, really competitive. I hope I'm wrong. I desperately hope I'm wrong. But title, City of Counter for me. Wow. Okay. Well, I, I, I just for the sake of throwing a, um, a contrasting opinion in, I would say that I do think, and myself and and and, and the other uh, Dave of the channel, Mr. Hendrick, have been not quite at loggerheads, but very much in uh, opposite opinions on this as well. Dave is exactly of the same opinion as you. He reckons there's only one winner of this title. He also has gone as far as say we will not win the league. Um, I just want to think that it's possible again for the reason we said right back at the start of the show because what's the point of being in it if we don't have a chance? And I kind of, there's something a bit magical about what's happening at the club. And again, context, Villa are a point behind us. So let's not get too big for our boots here. But there's something interesting about this team. The way it's taking shape, the options that appear to be available, the uh, exciting kind of aspect to the forward play, to the midfield play, and possibly slowly but surely solidifying defence. These are all good things. And I think if we stay in touch, I think we're in with a chance, and I think that's going to last if we get to the new year um, in that position. And of course, that's going to come back around towards the end of the show anyway. Uh, and we'll have a little bit of a look at, uh, at that. In terms of top four, I honestly think any of that lot could put a run together, going pass, possibly back and enfolding Chelsea into the loop as well, because their squad should be good enough to do that. Uh, their manager should be good enough to do that. So it's very, very interesting for me. I think it could be anyone. Um, but like you, I expect the top three to be made of ourselves and Spurs, ourselves and uh, Arsenal and City. And then it'll be interesting to see if Spurs spurs it or if Ange Postacoglu is, in fact, the second coming, and they hang on in there. Um, not too many people would be surprised if that ended up being the top four, I think. Um, but there's another aspect to the realistic nature of the title shot, the realistic nature of our top four. Uh, again, I've said it now and I feel like I can't roll back, but if I was to offer you now uh, a, a, a hypothetical situation, Dave, where we win the Europa League, look at this presumption on my part, or we win a domestic cup, a trophy of some sort this season, and we do solidify ourselves in that top four, hopefully in second place, perhaps pushing away and pulling away a little bit from the rest of those people who thought they were possibly title contenders like Spurs and Arsenal, etc. Uh, by the end of the season and taking that second place finish to City, which you believe I think is inevitable. Would you consider that a, a successful season? What would represent a successful season to you? I know I have a very specific thing in my head that would represent a successful season to me and I think it means a lot of different things to different people there are of course like we said people out there who they have different priorities and that's absolutely valid they're just I don't share them uh for me it's all about winning pots so what's a successful season for you Dave yeah it's it's a tough one this because like, like you kind of alluded to at the end there, there's a trophy wall outside Anfield for a reason. So a successful season isn't just about, say, getting into the Champions League. It's about putting another trophy in the cabinet, up in those numbers. That is important. I think, yeah, Europa would be the one for me. Um, the thing is, Trev, if you don't win the league, second to fourth are just exactly the same thing, aren't they? Champions League qualification. And... My, uh, my head and my heart are again having a sort of a rumble here because there is a bit of me that thinks 
We've got an outside shot of it. I, I'm not going to say, I can't, I'm not going to lie and backtrack and pretend I'm super confident. But an ultimately successful season is obviously the title. For me, though, hand on heart, putting the head together, I would say, a, a, yeah, a pot. That's what it's about. So a, a Europa League, ideally, maybe a cup, couple of cups, maybe I'm just being greedy beyond belief. And a Champions League place finished. And like you said, it's, it's the different ones to different people because you're being counters, I think, in Champions League, as are you people who like, you know, transfers attracting bigger players and that. But surely the ultimate aim is to put trophies in the cabinet and up those numbers on the wall outside Anfield. So, yeah, for me, for anything to be fa- defined as successful this season, Trev, silverware has to appear. Simple as that. So you're signing off on a trophy and a Champions League place that represents a successful season for Liverpool. And there would be not many people who would argue with you on that because a lot of people had signed up for this mentally as a a transitional season, uh, a season of, of, of development. And when we failed then to get that final piece of the puzzle in over the line in terms of the ball winning defensive midfielder that we were clearly after then I think an awful lot of people were further resigned to season of transition thing and casting their minds towards January and probably oh well maybe next year uh type thing now I I probably might if depends on if, if opening day and second round and third round of fixtures had gone badly, perhaps I'd be in a different mindset. But from what I've seen of this lot, I have this uh, illogical hope, Dave, that we might actually be involved in a neck-and-neck title race, that sometime, some season, something has to go wrong for Manchester City, possibly. And I just want us to be in in and around there. I will take the pain of finishing a close second again because at some point there will be a revision of what's occurred in this period. And it won't be a trophy and it won't be anything I'd want to claim, but it will at least be acknowledgement that if it had not been for a certain lot of um, people doing a certain bit of rule, rule bending, then we'd have been a hell of a lot more successful. And all I want is for us to be as bloody successful as we can in this period. So for me, the only trophy that matters damn to me now is this Europa League. Um, It's a massive ask, and I don't know if you noticed, Dave. I don't know if you noticed. But if you have a look around the Europa League tables and the various groups, and if you have a look around the Champions League tables and the various groups, guess who's sitting comfortably in third and potentially going to be eliminated from their group and drop back into the Europa League, only freaking Sevilla. So I think that's where people are starting to get a little bit wary of what might happen in terms of dropouts from the Champions League, because people have convinced themselves that we're a, a shoe in Now, more of that later on, because we have Toulouse tomorrow night. Um, and if we were to beat Toulouse, I think, uh, home and away, I think that's us top of the group. I, I stand corrected or to be corrected on that, but I think that's the case. So I am optimistic we get out of here and get out of this group top, and that gives us a favourable draw. And from there, you will back Liverpool in a cup competition with our history, with our knowledge of how to fucking win things, um, to go deep in the competition and hopefully to win it. So that's a must-have for me, this campaign, uh, if we do not win the league. If we do... Um, win that the Champions League qualification is an absolute necessity anyway unfortunately I think that is the barest of bare minimums I think anything other than Champions League qualification and it's actually a full on failure of the season transition or no so that's where I would stand on it not too much difference I think between our respective stances but if we have a look around at the people who are certainly being touted by those who think they're in the know um, for potential title challenges and definitely for top four. Let's just go around those teams and get your evaluation on each of them. If you think their current incarnation is solid, if you think they need to tweak anything, we are, after all, a transfer show. Do you see areas in any of those teams that need work? So let's start with City. Um, You seem to feel it's kind of sickeningly inevitable, like 
uh, young Hendrick does that this lot are just going to do it again. They're going to, I think you used the phrase at a counter. Um, so I take it then that as far as you're concerned, not only are they standalone favourites, but also probably don't need much in the way of tweaking at all. And they look like they have quite the squad there and not really needing too much. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, just being completely honest, Trev, that I think we're all seeking encouragement and I get it that City are dropping, dipping, thinking after the treble winning, you know, you know, just the enthusiasm, the desire of players has diminished. We're all looking for those things and we're looking at, you know, they lost to Arsenal, they're only just scraping past Brighton, all those types of things. There's also a sense of reality to it, Trev, that they've lost a few games when Rodri's out, you know, that that's a big part and you kind of hope maybe Rodri, you know, I'm not trying to wish ill on players, but a little spell without him wouldn't hurt us for our contenders, but De Bruyne is still to come back at the same time as well, at which point Matthias Nunes, there probably doesn't seem enough need for him. There's definitely not any need for Calvin Phillips, is there there, it seems at the moment as well. So if anything, I would love to believe that there's real weaknesses in this City squad, Trev, but barring a barring a spate of injuries to the key players, it might be one or two leaving there. But yeah, that that's just honestly why I believe they're at a canter. They've got there's no real question marks against that squad for me where there is for others. I've got to be honest on City there. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard to argue with any of that. And it's hard to argue against City as runaway um, favourites. Whether or not they'll actually be runaway leaders is another thing. And I guess where I was going is very much in the hope category, like you alluded to. Um, hopefully something sort of karmically balances out there and they maybe have a dodgy run. Like you said, it's been absolutely proven. I think that without Rodri, they are very, very bad Um they lose, I think, at least a third. It's probably a higher fraction now of the games that they play without him. That's an interesting stat. But, you know, again, if we're aligned on something like that, I think we're, we're bang in trouble. So City, I guess, have this impeccable squad. I wonder, and this is, again, just to throw something at you from a um, purely hypothetical, purely in the realm of fantasy land sort of question. If you're casting your uh, recruitment eye over that City squad, do you see any player there that you just think would make all the difference if you were to transplant them? Let's take Rodri out of it because I think that's the bottom line answer for everybody because every good team who's won anything has a player like that. We had Fab in recent times. We used to have um, Mascherano. Uh, It's an hugely important um, position to have if you're going to mount a title challenge and be consistent. So he would obviously be the obvious one for us. Do you see there anyone in their first team that you just think, oh, if, if we only had that player, that would transform us? Or do you see anyone in the perhaps slightly out of favour ranks, like the aforementioned Calvin Phillips, who we were linked with in the summer, who might have a transformative impact, James Milner-esque impact on Liverpool squad? Do you know what? I've got to be honest on this. Like, if you take Rodri out of the equation, the person I would kill to get our hands on, and it's probably one we've been linked with so often in the past, Trev, Gavardiol. He's yeah. just another number there. He really is. We're not even, let's be honest, we're not even really hearing about him this season type of thing. But can you imagine him with us in that? on that left side of the this hybrid with Trent and Gavardiol alongside like Canate and VVD with his strength, his physicality, his passing ability is, as well. I would suggest he's almost made for that role. And yeah, it's almost what could have been. It, it's not no secret, is it, Trev? Everyone knows he's a Liverpool fan. He's ended up there because of circumstances. But yeah, if we could get him, I think the gap, closes straight away but hey ho shoulda woulda coulda eh yeah I I do like that shout I think that's absolutely the one you look at Arsenal next um they are (laughs) they're an odd lot uh the Arsenal supporters and so it's probably best to avoid too much uh by way of uh fan feedback however looking at the team um it's 
it might stick in your craw a little, but it's undeniable that they have a hell of a lot of very talented, youthful footballers who play a really interesting brand of football. And heaven for fend, but perhaps Lego Head might end up being quite a decent manager. Uh, I still want to be convinced about that, and I still expect them to perhaps have a little collapse at some point. But nonetheless, they are very, very capable side with some wonderful footballers. So the same thing, same question again, and we'll do this with Arsenal and we'll do it with Spurs and we'll drop it there. But let's ask that same question. Arsenal, do you, what, what, how would you assess their title challenge uh, uh, in terms of any sort of realism to it at all? Are they potentially ahead of us in terms of, of uh, rivaling City for that? And casting your eye over the Arsenal squad, um, whether it's a first-teamer or whether it's a fringe player, can you see one or two that you'd love, that you, you look at with great envy and you think, oh, that guy would be transformative for us? Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League match week so make sure you listen to everything we're doing on epl index and follow us there on twitter at epl index thank you bye-bye yes it's interesting i mean i look at arsenal's business and i mean they spent a fortune this summer let's be clear on that an absolute fortune and declan rice makes them better does he make them 105 million pounds better i'm not so sure but he does make them better i'm not i i don't you know, sustains that argument that he's not improved them. He was a good signing. Timber Trev is just unfortunate, isn't it? The way he's got that injury and he's out for the season. You kind of feel for the kid. So we'll never really know per se. But I tell you what, whoever thought it was wise to put in the hand in their pocket for to give Chelsea around 75 million for Kai Havertz makes Madkin George look level-headed, doesn't he? I mean, that is the, the flop so far of the season. I just don't see it. I really don't. They Arsenal were sure a real goal scorer. And I know people are going to say like, oh, Saka, Martinelli, Odegaard. They, they get goals. They do get goals. But as you know, Trev, history tells you you need a, like, a real goal scorer. Someone who gets 20, 20 plus to, to sort of win the league. So they're short there. They really are. And also, there is still a few question marks about their defence. And let's be honest. They've got nothing that proves, uh, and Arsenal fans can say what they want about this, but there's nothing that proves Arsenal can handle that business end of the season. We saw what happened to them last year. There's still going to be those question marks, and I'm sorry, you cannot have two number ones either. I don't care what anyone says. That's why you have a number one and number two. You need a top-class number one to win things. They've got a couple of good ones, I'd say. So that's that. And, yeah, if I was to take anyone... Arsenal crow about their players a bit too much for me at times. However, Trev, I do like Saliba. You know, as a centre-half, I do think he would be a a fantastic addition to our squad that way. I know Declan Rice is the obvious one, but I won't mind Saliba in a red shirt. Never going to happen, but yeah, Arsenal are just a, a bit short in that regard still for me. Yeah, I agree in terms of the potential for keeping a campaign going um, over the dog days without an out-and-out goal scorer, I think that might be tough. But they do seem to have the ability to share it around there. They have a lot of talented footballers. Um, I'm very much on the fence with Arsenal. I, I feel in my guts that they won't have enough to sustain anything even resembling a title challenge. Um, but I do think that they're going to be very hard to shake off in terms of being very much 
in the running for uh, challenging whoever's next uh, for the second place spot. Spurs, I've already been a little bit um, dismissive of. And I'll tell you where I go with this and why I I say that to you, Dave. In the direct evidence of Spurs versus Liverpool in that game in which, you know, we just saw so many (laughs) horrific things, um, the kind of the kind of things which have basically prompted an um, endless nonsense uh, articles, endless uh, examples of, of of supposedly level-headed journalists losing their shit completely, uh, horrendous tribalism, and then when decisions go against other teams, then suddenly it's uh, no longer something to be sneered at. In fact. It's time for the tribunals and um, uh, everyone else gets a chance to roll their tinfoil hats out and talk about corruption and conspiracy. So there was an opportunity there after the Spurs game for something to happen um, with the football community. And it was basically the rest of them fucked it into a cocked hat if we want to just use a uh, uh, less than, than, um, uh, I suppose, polite expression. But I think of Spurs and I failed to see enough there to sustain that challenge over the time. Because in that game where we were playing them, we were killing them with 11. We were killing them with 10. And we were holding our own with 9. And it required an outrageous, spectacular mistake of an own goal for them to get that result. And... I feel if that is a sort of a litmus test of how they behave under pressure, how they perform under pressure. In other words, they don't score even the winning goal. We blast it into our own net for them. Yeah, you could say it's good pressure they put a crossover, but you know, nine times out of ten, that's cleared. So I don't give any massive credit for that. So just in that one clear visceral example i find it hard to back spurs for anything other than tucking in there and probably nailing that fourth place if Postacoglu ends up being the real deal if the wheels don't come off but that's an if that's a big if this is a club who has specialized in doing that over the years to the extent that they've become a, a kind of a noun and an adjective uh, in and of themselves. So that's pretty impressive. So I don't really see a huge amount there in terms of some of the talent that they have. Look, if you if you could transplant Youngmin's son into a red shirt right now, even though he is getting old, uh, I think everybody in the world would be delighted with that. I have always thought that guy's fantastic. I think he could have the ability to really uh, lift any team, but we're not exactly shy when it comes to attacking talent in our squad. So I'm not sure there. I look around the rest of that squad, the midfield and defenders, and yeah, of course, there are perhaps in in a 1v1 in terms of squads, uh, there possibly are, they possibly have the better player in a couple of spots, but I just don't really find myself envious of them as such. You may have a totally different take. When you look at Spurs, do you feel there's enough about them to sustain, to hang in there, to be City's biggest uh, uh, title rival for the duration of the season? And whether you do or not, when you look at their squad, who are the players that you want to transplant into a red shirt? To be deadly honest, Trevor, I think I'll be absolutely nowhere near it, the top spot at the end of the season. I genuinely believe that. I mean, it's right that they're buoyant and they're doing all the things. And I know Angie's there in his suit week in, week out, leading the charge. But Trev, I don't care if Ange comes out in a caftan with five blows and two fishes, mate. It's not happening. They're not going to transfer into title contenders. Simple as that. The the squad's thin. It's heavily reliant on Son and Madison. Are we convinced they can do that over the season? Nothing really proves that. I know Son has his purple patch. some point, you're going to have to rely on Richarlison, which probably tells you its own story, realistically. I look at their fixtures so far. They've had easy ones, Trev. Luton, Sheffield United at home, even Fulham. You know, they've easily had the best fixtures so far. They've not really... I know people say, oh, well, they're Arsenal away. That is a decent point. I will give them that. But like you said, it was all. They beat us at home. 
you outline the circumstances perfectly. There's the context to that. He's everything. The other thing I would say, Trev, obviously they're Spursy, as Roy Keane would say. It's Spurs, lads, come on. There's nothing that proves they can do it till the end of the season. And one other thing I picked up on during that Liverpool victory at the end, did you see them dancing around with the disco lights and the celebrations and all those types of things? I was thinking, lads, they're like six games into the season. Like, no top team is doing anything like that. And that just showed me almost a, a weakness. I'm just saying that honestly to their mentality. And I understand why, because they're not used to it. They're not experienced. So... Title contenders, absolutely not. Top four, yes. Transfer-wise, maybe an interesting shout this, Trev. But having looked what's happened from the bits I have watched Spurs, a player that we were linked with a lot, and we, we really passed on him that he's ended up there, I have been quite impressed with Mickey van der Ven. You know, the Wolfsburg, or the former Wolfsburg, the Dutch left-sided centre-half, who can also play left-back. Got a goal. But when I've been watching him, very, very quick. No two ways about it. And, you know, quite decent in the air. And I just think, you know, a player that can play at left-back and the left-sided centre-back. Dutch, very quick. Yeah. Maybe it's one we might regret in the future. Who knows? But I wouldn't mind of just seeing how Mickey van der Ven might have got on in a Liverpool shirt, put it that way. Yeah, I think I had actually blanked that one out because of how annoyed I was that it didn't work out at the time. Um, I was pretty hopeful and quite high on him, having seen him a few times and thought, oh yeah, it might be just the ticket for us. Um, I know people were, some people were more hopeful about Inacio, but I really liked the idea of getting the Dutch kid. So yeah, I'd actually blanked him out completely and he has had a really good uh, opening to his Spurs career, to be fair. So, yeah, I agree with you on that one, actually. That's a good shout. Um, in the last 10 minutes that we have, let's take a look at something very transfer pod related. Let's look at what we might need to do, how important January might be. Now, there are a couple of aspects to this, of course. We have an injury now, which we wouldn't have seen coming. We have an injury now, which we're being told is 10 to 12 weeks, but like, honestly, it, and, and and I did, I, I again, I've, I've heard it be spun that, listen, it might be wonderful to get some genuine rest into Andy Robertson and allow him to recuperate slowly and come back. And he might just be like a new man when he comes back. And that's super, the whole like a new signing thing, you know, whatever. But I think we can see, and you alluded to it there, and it's it's a little bit, we can't really judge Costas on his first outing when called upon, especially after he got hooked, which I think we'll go with was for tactical reasons. Uh, but it wasn't exactly like a, a, a swashbuckling display by the lad in the last game uh, against Everton. So it didn't do... It wasn't the instant gratification that I think a lot of people were hoping for. Like, oh, wait, we won't miss Rob at all. Look at this lad. He's great. Now, he may well end up being great over that period of time. Um, but again, like I say, the immediate excitement wasn't there. So you're left with a quiz question about whether we need to do something. And I think whether you had Robbo and Costas in decent form, both fit, I think we'd still be left with that question. Do we need that centre half come full back? Uh, big guy, bit of a unit, aerial presence, if we're going to continue to experiment with this thing that we're experimenting with? Or do we just need a left-sided centre-half anyway? Perhaps even more preferably a left-footed, left-sided centre-half type player. That's one thing that I think possibly we'd like to address in January. I don't need to talk about the elephant in the room because for me that's an absolute necessity. Of course, the problem we have now, Dave, is everybody can see us coming. And who's really available at this stage in that coveted defensive midfielder role? We have at least one South American possibility, and I know you're going to go that way, and I hope you do. But I think there's a second one, which I hope you'll bring up as well, that might get people excited. We have to factor in as well that during January, we will have at least one player off at the AFCON in the shape of Mo Salah, who has been absolutely freaking central to our position in the league currently. And we might even have Endo, whether or not he ever becomes a feature, missing as well. So, January, 
Dave looks bloody massive. Yeah, for us, Trev, I think January does look massive for us. And, you know, we love our transfer show and we love our little John as Christmas and it goes into it. However, I think we're going to be happy with some aspects, but I just get the feeling, mate, it's going to be a little bit short from what we're asking. And I'll explain that fully because I think you teed it up nicely, even without the Robbo injury, even without that. We've said throughout the summer, throughout the, you know, right to the end of the window, and we've kind of mentioned it again. We believe Jurgen Klopp has got more faith in his defensive options than we have. You know, he has a real belief in those. So now you think, OK, Robbo out, like you said, the full impact's not known. It's suspected it's going to be New Year. So what does that change? You know, is it, are we really seeing links back in the market? You'd be deadly honest with you, Trev, having asked around as normal search, try to defensive names. Nada. Absolutely nada. All the suggestions are, Trev, being honest, that, you know, speak, speaking to people as we do, that Klopp is, and, and I get this to some point, it's not sort of, we don't want to rag on existing players, but the, there's a faith in that Simicast can do a job, the development of Kwanzaa the return to form so so much of Gomez, Matic, to a certain extent, that type of thing has really been part of the buoyance of Jurgen Klopp. So defensive-wise, going to be absolutely honest, Nada turning up there, which might not be what people want to hear. And obviously it's a long time, so Jan, don't get me wrong, but that is you know what we've been asking around and getting. Midfield-wise, like you said, there's the old, the old name coming up in a positive way that, He's in the final of the Copper Libertadores, and I'm sure everyone knows about Andre Fluminese by now and Liverpool's connections. There's been prominent South American journals talking about us being favourites, interest deal agreed, all those types of things. And again, as we talked about, not quite the, the classic destroyer that, that we normally want, more of a, a progressive ball controller, Thiago-style carrier rather than a Fabinho or a Rodri type, but hey-ho. And then the other name that's come into the mix now as well, Trev, quite a, a few people have done this, Ezekiel Fernandez, who is a number six, a defensive midfielder at Boca Juniors. It was interesting because I managed to catch up with Tom Robinson, who, uh, who did our South American pods of the day, just to ask him about this. And he's like, yeah, very much more of a, a classic six, a destroyer. But again, one thing you pointed out, interestingly, a very small player, about five seven, so not quite, you know, that stature, not that that mean, necessarily means anything or, you know, rules him out, but not necessarily a classic Klopp six in that regard, you may say, I don't know. But, yeah, so that there's definitely there's definitely interest, it seems, in options and reinforcing that midfield, which maybe tells its own story about Endo, Alexis Mack, who knows, you could be reading too much into it. But I think that's good. I'm not sure we're going to quite get enough, though, Trev, and I expect us to be reinforced forced with one midfielder but I'm trying not to get my hopes up and trying not to go too disappointed because not hearing a single thing defensive wise mate being honest that's very interesting and you know for the record when Dave says he's not hearing it he, he does he does have the uh, the angle and the connections to quite a few people who would be as close to being in the know as journalists get so that is very revealing um the ezekiel fernandez thing how real is that in terms of the 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 solidity of the link where does it come from is it fanciful is it realistic what do you think I think we've got to be honest on this. And it was, again, name-checking Tom in a positive way. The talk in South America isn't really there as it is with Andre. It's been it's been mentioned that the sources, funnily enough, are, again, it's not trying to be disparaging, but let's just say they're nowhere near as reliable and the South American take doesn't have these links anywhere near as strong as Andre, put it that way. Gotcha, gotcha. A lot of people 
will be listening to the um, potential of getting Andre and the positivity around that and getting excited. And I think rightly so. Why not? Another uh, combative, energetic, uh, ball-playing midfielder is something that we'll all like to see. And I use those adjectives because that's what I've seen from him. But I don't believe when I use combat, I don't believe he's in that mold that we were necessarily chasing in the summer in the form of Ducouré and previous to that, when we were willing to um, spend the crown jewels on um, the lad who went to Chelsea. So it's an interesting one. And, it, you know, uh, you never turn up your nose at recruits in January because they can have a massive impact. We've seen that in the past at Liverpool um, to great effect. So I do look forward to that as a as a potential, as a possibility. And to finish today, what I want to just ask you is, when we look at what remains for Liverpool to, in the run-up to January. So we start tomorrow night, we've got that Toulouse game. So we've a little run of uh, fixtures then, including uh, Forest at the weekend. I think that's a Sunday match. And then we follow up on the Wednesday with Bournemouth in the Carabao. And the next Sunday, we are away at Luton. And then we go to Toulouse for the reverse fixture on the Thursday. And another turnaround on the Sunday where we welcome Brentford to Anfield. There is then a week, a fortnight off. I believe it's another international fortnight, if you can believe that. And we come back out of that with our biggest test of the season by a country mile, the game away at City. And lots of people will be watching that. And our credentials, in inverted commas, as title contenders will take either a big slapping or a massive, massive pat on the back boost on the back of how we do in that game. But whether or not we do well, we have to turn around immediately after that Saturday and get straight back into Europa action again. We have Lask at home on the Thursday night. We follow that up with a game at home again to Fulham. This is not a bad run of fixtures, Dave. When you take the City thing out of it, we then go away to Sheffield United. That's up as far as the 5th of December, Tuesday. We go away to Crystal Palace and we go away in the in the Europa League to Union. That's, again, three away games, but you'd like to think they're winnable games, including those two Premier League ones. And then it starts to get tasty, my friend, because Saturday the 16th, we play United at Anfield. Saturday 23rd, we play Arsenal at Anfield. And then Tuesday the 26th, we go away to Burnley and we end the year at home to Newcastle. Holy shit, that's a hell of a run of fixtures. And at the end, it gets very, very tasty. However, a lot of people will be looking at the games up as far as City and then after City, up as far as the United game and maybe even the Arsenal game because some people will dismiss United and think, yeah, there's a lot of games that Liverpool Football Club should be winning there. So when you look at that, what do you think we need to do to sort of still be in the mix for when that window opens? And that might be the impetus or not to go the extra mile when it comes to getting a signing in. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes, and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. I think there's a, there is real positives with this, and maybe again this is heart overhead, but 
I look at these fixtures, Trev, and up until that, like you said, the City away after the international break, they're eminently winnable, aren't they? They're, they're not the toughest on paper. If you're honest, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, and you know, does that say that they beat the dross? You know what happens. So that that's a first positive. Even then, Trev, even then, after that City, those next three of Fulham, Sheffield United and Palace, you're really thinking, you know, come on, lads, we've got a real position to take maximum points here and keep a run going. It's all about that momentum. It's not necessarily about playing well. Just keep the maximum points rolling. That's what it's about. And then, holy shit balls, Trev, like you said, what a way to finish the year. What a way to finish the year. Four fixtures there. And look at the three at home and the power of Anfield that would be needed. 16th of December, obviously probably going to change, but United at home. 23rd of December, Arsenal at home. As Burnley sandwich in between, an interesting phrase for Burnley, but there you go on Boxing Day. And then the last game of the year, Newcastle. So United, Arsenal, Newcastle at home. To me, Trevor, done about you. Those, if we're there or thereabouts, those last three home games and the Burnley one, that feels like a real litmus test for the end of the year. And you'll we'll need the power of Anfield. But if we can harness it and we can maximise it, Trev, or oh, try not to draw there, we could be right, right in it. Well, I'm going to give it some maths. I'm going to say, right, we're a point off City at the moment, same amount of games played. Let's just give them a, a home win against us. So that's four points. I think if we get out the far end of Newcastle, still only four points off City, regardless of what Arsenal are doing or Tottenham are doing, I think we're right in it. With that, if it's if it's the gap is only four points at that point, I think we're right in it, and I think it might be enough for us to think, "Holy shit, this is doable," and it will also mean that we've won a hell of a lot of matches on the bounce, a hell of a lot of matches in a condensed period. And that more than anything else is what does it for a team in terms of momentum, in terms of belief. And you feel like that's there already with this team. Another thing that's kind of intangible, Dave, but I've been doing the show with Jan now. I think it's this is our fifth year, fifth season. And for at least three and a half of those seasons, we had this beautiful predictability at the end where we'd, we would go to Jan for the prediction and the two of us would pretty much say, well, yeah, if Liverpool turn up, we're going to beat them. And it didn't matter whether we were talking about fucking Real Madrid or Burnley. It, was, it didn't matter because we knew that if we played to our best, then we would beat the opposition. That's a gorgeous feeling. And there's a sniff of it, Dave, coming back. That's what has me positive. What about you? Yeah, it's that role, Trev. Honestly, you just hoping we're almost on the verge of it. Even that that Ev game, we were we were we were terrible for large parts of it, but we won. That's just what it's about. Get the points on the board, keep it rolling. It's that snowball effect, that momentum. It's yeah, especially after the difficult start. What we proved with ten men, Liverpool two Maybe the hearts talking more over the head, Trev. But yeah. There's a lot to be excited about. There really is. I have no doubt we'll get your head back screwed on and realistic stroke pessimistic as we get closer to the window. And we'll definitely do another one of these in the next nonsense uh, international break just to keep ourselves sane. The rumours may have taken an extra level or an extra bit of snap at that point. And regardless, Dave and I will have something to talk about. So we look forward to that one then. But having gone through the potential for Liverpool and their rivals to do the business this season, I think it's been an enjoyable chat. I very much enjoyed going through the options. And I find myself sort of vaguely invigorated. As you say, it could be just the the heart talking, but let's go with that for the short term. And so it remains only for me to say, as ever, cheers, Dave. Cheers, mate. Loved it. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, 
where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.